0: I'm giving you my quick take on the NBA Finals as well as discussing what the major problem for Cleveland is that all kids should be paying attention to. It's not what you might think today on the Game Time Guru. So... what's up? What's going on, everybody? Shane Larson here, the Game Time Guru, coming at you with a new episode. Um, And like I said, I'm going to break down the NBA Finals very quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on the topic. For one, because you've probably already heard enough analysis about the series. And two, the topic I want to discuss today, I believe, can have a bigger impact on the youth, um, this new generation of basketball players coming up, uh, because it's something that I believe is a major problem Uh, and it showed for the Cleveland Cavaliers, as well as other teams in the NBA, but I think it's a big problem. Something the kids need to be focused on. Um, It goes back to the basics. So we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. So first, I want to let you guys know that I actually created an Instagram page for the podcast. I would appreciate it if you could follow my Instagram page. Um, I'm going to be posting some behind-the-scenes footage of how I'm recording this, and when I start uh, bringing my podcast equipment to other places to record it with some guests, I'm going to be posting a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and I think it kind of gives you a little bit of an all-access you know, look at how I'm running the podcast with the limited equipment that I have, right? It's not like I'm in a studio with all, all of this stuff, and I have this professional setting. Um, I'm simply recording this podcast out of my kitchen in Meridian, Idaho. Like I said in the very first episode I ever published, this is where I'm at. This is my home. Um, but I can also bring this equipment to other places. And I kind of want to show you how I'm doing this as a startup podcast. So go to Instagram. Follow me. Um, it is at GameTimeGuru. Right? So um, it's not going to be the Game Time Guru. It's going to be at GameTimeGuru. Just follow me there. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Facebook. And you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher and podcast static and google play all right so you can find my podcast anywhere i would like for you guys to go to itunes and stitcher preferably itunes if you have an iphone obviously because they that has a huge podcast directory and if you can go to itunes and leave me a review just review the podcast give me a rating of some kind and re- review it really quickly i would greatly appreciate it it helps me out and i would appreciate the support if you can give that to me anyways Guys, uh, the Warriors got it done. All right, we watched it. It was just a dominant team effort from the Warriors. Was it a surprise? No. The The Warriors were clicking on all cylinders for the entire playoffs, basically since April. I mean, they were just firing on all cylinders. You know? It was just crazy to watch. And it the dominance in games one and two... Didn't really surprise me, but it was just crazy to watch a team like the Cavaliers who I truly believe, you take the Golden State Warriors out of the NBA, the Cavaliers I truly believe would run through everybody, including the Spurs. I I, Watching the Spurs against the the Warriors, I was able to see that they're very much like the Cavs in the sense that you take away their main player. Let's say if the Cavs lost LeBron James to an injury, they're going to struggle a lot, except... They do have Kyrie to be a, a playmaker with you know his dribbling ability and his ability to get to the bucket. So he is a playmaker in that sense, whereas the Spurs don't have that. You could see that the Spurs did not have anybody to create and run the offense once Kawhi went down. It was just too difficult for him. So anyways, I believe the Cavs could run through everybody in the NBA if the, if the Warriors weren't there. So it's crazy to me to see the dominance of the Warriors over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they obviously have, in my opinion, a more talented crew around them. They have all polished themselves, polished their games. They are unbelievable when they're playing in that in that system. The off-ball screens, I watched all series. Um, I mean, you got to understand it's the the ball movement is insane, but it's also the idea of like running on on the baseline. And the IQ you have to have for like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, as much as they frustrate me just watching them play, they have to be able to read the screens and read the defense, right? So they're setting their down screens and they're doing those all off the ball. And if somebody jumps out to, to come up top, they cut down below. And they have to understand where they need to go. So they have to they have to both be reading this. The whole game, it's not just one possession. They do it like almost every single possession. They're reading the defense when the screen is set, so they go one way, they go the other, which makes them so difficult to defend, and that's why you see the guards grabbing them. J.R. Smith will be grabbing Steph Curry because he goes up top, well, they hedge out. And then if they hedge out, then he comes, cuts right back below. And then all of a sudden, he's either going to get held or he's going to get a layup because they're going to hit him back door. So, and the same thing happens for Thompson. He goes one way, the other way, the other way. The crazy thing is, is the person with the ball has to be able to read that as well. So, they all have to be firing correctly. And it's crazy to see, you know, how well they play together and how consistently well they play together. They're very consistent. They play... Like, I mean, obviously the whole entire playoffs minus that one loss. I mean, they just dominated their, their opponents, the entire playoffs, um, running that. It's like, you would almost think it's mentally taxing having to be laser focused the entire game, trying to figure out, well, where's Curry going to be going? Is he going to come up top or is he going to go cut back door? Cause if he cuts back door, I have a small window where I can toss the ball to him for the layup. Uh, it's just, those are the little things that I, I took from it, um, I'll give mad respect to KD for his performance he put on, okay? In the last episode, I explained why I believe his situation is much different than LeBron's as far as like going to the Warriors compared to LeBron going to the Heat and the Cavaliers. Okay, But that's a separate subject, right? That has nothing to do with his playing ability and, and what he does. I truly believe that Kevin Durant is the most lethal offensive threat in the NBA. And with his defense getting better and better this year he he improved a lot with his defense. He's very very close. Like that subject of who's the greatest player in the world, um I believe he's get he's right there. I mean, it's it's pretty close. I still give the edge to LeBron for other reasons that I might discuss in a different podcast, but I mean, it's not like it's far off. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Durant uh as much as he frustrates me, he showed up to play, and that was the questions I was wondering. I mean, is he going to answer the critics and and come out and actually play? Because, you know, history tells us he didn't do well against LeBron. Well, this year, guess what? He, he answered the critics, and he came out and played. Props to him. I've never seen a seven-footer in my life be able to put the ball on the floor and score from anywhere on the court. I think – unless you've played basketball against a seven-footer, I think it's hard for people to imagine because all they do is watch him on TV and it doesn't seem like it's that hard for them because everybody in the NBA should be able to do it. But that's not the case. When I was in high school and we played seven-footers, my goodness, like there's no way those seven-footers we're going to put the ball on the ground and do crossovers, pull up from the three point line. No, they sat in the paint because their range was about 5 to 10 feet from the bucket if that. Cuz I mean, they're 7 foot they're they're playing back to the basket their entire lives like their entire life growing up and you kind of see that in the in the NBA like I mean, let's just compare it to the teams they're playing like the closest thing you have to is Kevin Love. Kevin Love's the only one sort of he can he, I mean, he can shoot, but he doesn't have the ball handling or the athleticism that kevin durant has so kevin love you know he can shoot from you know pretty much the entire floor he can stretch to the three-point line semi-good mid-range game you know he's good and he's getting better at his back to the basket i mean he's pretty much the closest thing to an all-rounded but he can't put the ball on the floor and cross people over and no one's gonna get beat on that so you got to take that into consideration like there's nobody in the league that can do that. So props to Kevin Durant as a basketball fan. It, I, I'm not a fan of the Warriors, and I'm very open about that. But, I mean, the fact that they came out and played as a team as well as they did and the fact that they could mesh so quickly and and put the the piece together with putting a superstar on the team, it's not always as easy as it looks. Um, you know, and they came in, and, and Durant meshed really well with them. So props to the Warriors – not too happy about the outcome, but uh, they earned it. They, I mean, they beat who they played, and that's all you can do. And not only did they beat them, they beat the hell out of them. Like, everybody they played. So, we'll see what happens in the offseason. That's also another uh, podcast topic. Now, if you watch the finals, though, this is one thing, especially in the last two games. Um, actually, the last three games. And it's that LeBron James can basically get to the free throw line whenever he wants. If he is aggressive. And when he goes to the free throw line, I just get that feeling like, I actually feel like he's going to miss the free throw more than he's actually going to make it. You know what I mean? And and I think a lot of people can relate to me on this. Like when LeBron gets fouled or he gets an and one, with some players, you're like, oh, well, that's a free point. We're going to get three points out of this, this possession. With LeBron James... I don't think that when he gets when he gets fouled he's going to make it. And a lot of the Cavaliers players are the same way. They don't hit their free throws. And that really bothers me. It's a major problem in my opinion. And maybe it's because when I was younger and I was I was starting to play basketball, I used to play with my uncle a lot. My uncle was the one who taught me how to shoot a ball, taught me how to shoot Uh, threes, taught me how to use the glass. He always played ball with me. Ever since I was a little kid, he would let me play one-on-one with him, even though I was really little and I was just trying to figure out the game. He always took me to play ball with him when I was in like seventh and eighth grade, go play some pickup games at the gyms. The one thing he always told me is you got to make your free throws. And it sounds so simple. He said, he said, they're free. There's nobody guarding you. And he always called it the easiest shot in the world. My uncle would always say, it's the easiest shot in the world. It's free. Like, no one's guarding you uncontested. You should never miss your free throws. Like, that's, you got to hit them down. They're free. (laughs) That's why it's called that. You don't have to, no one's playing defense on you, right? And I always had that in the back of my mind. My entire life growing up, I worked on free throws, free throws, free throws, um, because it's true. Like, there's no one guarding you. It's the easiest shot in the world. Well, I'm obviously not in the NBA, and I'm not in the NBA Finals understanding the pressure that's on your shoulders and stuff. But I do understand, like, game time situations. Shooting free throws by yourself out in the driveway with your basketball hoop, it's not the same as doing it in a game. You know, you run down the court, quick possession, you try to get to the bucket, pump fake, guy fouls you. Well, all of a sudden, you're out of breath because, you know, you're running really hard, then you had to stop. So you're out of breath, and you're kind of dizzy. You're trying to figure out where you're at. Ref hands you the ball. You got 10 seconds to shoot it. So you got to catch your breath, go through your routine, shoot it. Your knees are a little wobbly because you're tired. You can't bend them the same and you're overthinking things. I get that. Like that that stuff still happened when you were in high school, even in City League for crying out loud, when you're not in as good a shape and you're playing ball, it's harder to shoot free throws because you get tired when you get fouled. So I can't even imagine like the, <laughs> the exhaustion they're going through when they get fouled. But LeBron James. I mean, come on. If if there's one thing that he needs to work on, it doesn't get brought up enough. It really doesn't. I mean, he's a very well-rounded player. He's one of the best defenders in the league, most versatile defenders in the league, one of the best and most efficient scorers in the league. I wouldn't say best shooters, but I'd say scorers because he can get to the bucket. Um, He's efficient in every aspect of the game. I mean, he impacts the game in so many ways, but he struggles to shoot free throws. And it really bothers me because it's almost like when you have a superstar player, you should feel comfortable when they go to the line. If you guys go back to Game 3 and even Game 4 that they pulled out, and then again, you know, Game Game 5, there were some free throws that were definitely missed. That sh- I mean, that could have changed the entire dynamic of the game. You got to remember, these; these are free points that you need to get. And there's one point in game five where LeBron missed two straight. Okay. He missed two straight free throws and that's huge. I understand they lost by nine points and it was actually more than that. It's just the score looked better than it was, but you got to remember like a lot of stuff can change. If you hit a couple shots here and there, it changes the entire coaching aspect of the game. Steve Kerr might have to use his timeouts differently because the, the gaps a little closer, Um, it, it might help because Cleveland, when they missed a few free throws, they were actually up. So at the time in the first half, like it maybe breaks them away from that eight point gap that they were, they were ahead by eight and couldn't really pull away to double digits. Maybe that puts them up 10 or 12 points. The free throws are huge in a game. Tell me this. When Steph Curry gets fouled, you expect that to be two free points or three. If you're shooting three, which happens a lot, you expect the ball to go in. When Kevin Durant gets fouled, you expect the free throws to go in. It's almost like the opposing team, when when they foul him, and you're like, oh, gosh, dang it, he just fouled Curry. You just expect that that's two points, two freebies. Durant, same thing, freebies. You can count on them to hit their free throws at the end of the game. Yeah, sure, they miss a few from time to time, but, I mean, they're shooting darn near 90%. I mean that's that's insane. Actually, I think Curry did shoot over ninety. It's 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 just ridiculous that LeBron James can't hit his free throws. It's not just him though. Rest of the team, they have their problems. The only one that you can count on is Kyrie. Kyrie was shooting lights out from the from the free throw line the entire season, right? So props to him. But let's take a look here. Okay, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson. Okay, Thompson shoots eighty-five percent from the free throw line. Kevin Durant, 87.5. Steph Curry, 89.8. So 90% from the free throw line. I I might have said three-point line. Anyways, so anyways, 90% from the free throw line all season. So those those are three of your starters. Um, Draymond Green shot 70, and then you got Iggy Iguodala who's shooting 70. Um, Heck, even Patchouli was shooting 78%. Crying out loud. Like, these are guys that you want in the game. Like, these are the guys who are going to be in the game. In the fourth quarter at least your your superstars curry and, and durant can shoot the free throws when you're looking at lebron james okay when you're looking at lebron james when he shoots 65 when he's shooting in the 60s for his free throws that's it's ridiculous um I'm crying out loud like that's something like a you would expect from shack you know like or, or any like center you expect you know maybe one out of every two free throws to go in and that's almost what I, th- I think of when lebron goes to the line i'm like uh he's probably gonna make one of two just get one of them you want your superstar to be able to make their free throws when you're a little kid you need to be watching this because you watch the Cavs and how it affected them how it impacted them in a lot of their games okay it can destroy a team if you don't make your free throws It really can. I think it's common sense. People are like, no, duh, Shane. That's not an in-depth analysis at all. Like Everybody knows that. but You really need to pay attention. I think we lose focus and we lose sight of the fact that free throws are so important and that's why you see these kids these days dribbling around trying to get fancy. They focus so much on their scoring and maybe on their defense, but they all want to be like Curry in the way that they dribble and stuff. Now everyone's going to want to be like Durant dribbling, crossovers, all the flashiness, get to the bucket, boom, boom, boom. But they don't really put an emphasis on free throws when I was in high school we had to do our free throw drills at the end of the game or at the, sorry at the end of every practice and you had to get in a line and they, the coach calls one person to come up and shoot his free throws practice doesn't end until you make two in a row so if they make the first one and miss the second then you have to do half of a court's worth of suicides if they miss the first free throw you do a full thing of suicides and you keep going through the team until somebody makes both free throws stuff like that those little drills are so important and i think we lose we, we've we lost that like we don't put an emphasis on that we've lost sight of the importance of free throws looking at the season golden state as a team shot 79.3 percent. granted they're not even the best free throw shooting team right they're like the ninth they're ranked number nine in the in the league, Charlotte, surprisingly being number one, shot 81.5%. So from number one down to number nine, I mean, we've got an 81.5% and then 793 But Golden State and San Antonio were nine and eight. Cleveland, Cleveland was at 22. Okay, they were ranked 22, shooting 75.2% from the line as a team. Okay, and in their last game, 65%. What did what did Golden State shoot in the finals? 82% in game 5. 82% compared to 65% doesn't seem like a lie. Ah, oh, it's 17%. That's a lot, especially when both teams are getting to the to the line 20 plus times. Okay? So, it's it's crazy because Golden State, you know, 79.3% on the season, but in the in the finals as a whole, they they shot much better from the line. It can make a huge difference. But like Tristan Thompson K-Love, Richard Jefferson, LeBron James, man, Shumpert, J.R. Smith sometimes, but like, these guys, you know, you can agree with me or disagree, it, it doesn't matter, I'm just letting you know how I feel when they get fouled, I never feel like it's a guarantee, it's good because it gets other team in foul trouble, it never feels like it's a guarantee in, difference when, uh, it's, it's different, when Curry goes to the line or Durant goes to the line, it's going in, you know it, and it's like a it's a settling feeling as a fan of that team. It's unsettling as the fan of the opposing team. That's kind of why I liked Rudy Gobert as a big man compared to DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I know the athleticism is completely different, whole different levels, but Rudy Gobert for the Utah Jazz is a decent free throw shooter for a big man. He's shooting about what LeBron is, you know what I mean? Like He, he was in the 60s, he, but like you can depend on him being in the game late in the game. Because you don't have to take you don't have to take your best defender out of the game. Because if he's in there and they decide to go to a hack or whatever, he can at least try to make one or two. DeAndre Jordan, however, you know that he can't be in there. He's a liability. Same with Dwight Howard. They're liabilities at the end of the game. Your your best defensive player, your defensive anchor. But Rudy Gobert, he can stay in at the end of the game because he's at least dependable for a big man. I just like having that dependability, that comfort with everybody on the court knowing that they can shoot free throws. Now the other thing before I finish up, the reason it irks me so bad with free throws, okay, is it's the only line. It's the only shot in basketball that never changes, right? The free throw line doesn't change from the time you're in, you know, middle school, high school, college up into the pros. Three point line will always change, the key gets bigger, but the free throw line is the free throw line. So like you grow up your whole life shooting free throws. Why is it so difficult for these guys to make the shots? That's why I always thought it was nuts when Dwight Howard couldn't make his free throws and how you can't adjust. DeAndre Jordan, I don't get it. Like, How do you not figure it out by that time? You know what I mean? I, I get it with the bigger guys. It's harder. It's different angle. But my goodness, you've been shooting the same shot your entire life. And if you're going to be getting hacked all the time, how do you not make them? LeBron, if you're going to get to the line, every time you drive the ball, you can get fouled. You're so aggressive. You're so physical. It's, you're bound to get to the line a ton. You've got to be able to make them. And I know Korver was trying to help him, but then LeBron went back to his old ways because he felt uncomfortable. Well, I understand if it, ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but it's broke, so you need to fix it. That would be my one suggestion for LBJ. Work on your free throws, man. Um you need them you need those you need those buckets they're they're freebies easiest shot in the world come on now so if you're a kid or you're a parent and you have kids that want to play basketball that's my suggestion you you work on those free throws you never let them go because you'll see as he did now they might kind of go under the radar a little bit but they are important in fact they're one of the most important shots in the game of basketball. Yeah, Curry can shoot his 40-foot jumpers. That's awesome. Gets the crowd pumped up, this and that. Free throws aren't exciting. They're kind of like layups. They're not exciting, but they're effective and they're game changers. You can win or lose on free throws. Easiest shot in the world, guys. That's my take. And that's all I got for you guys today. It's the Game Time Guru. Make sure to follow me. Again, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on iTunes. Please go there and leave me a a review if you can, or Stitcher. It's a free app. Download it. Okay? Go there. Find me. Um, I'll be talking to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Game Time Guru, out.